Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about figuring out what we want out of life. I'm delighted to welcome special guest Corbin Elliott. Corbin is a psychological strategist, digital entrepreneur, author of Unconventional, Anxious to Alive, and the host of the Peace and Purpose podcast. You can reach Corbin at his website, EffectMediaProductions.com, and I'll include a link in the description. Welcome, Corbin. I'm so glad that you could join with me today. It is a freaking pleasure. Happy Tuesday. <laughs> Happy, Happy New Year. Tuesday. Yeah. So I'm so excited to be talking about finding purpose in life, and I would love to hear your story because you were going a direction that didn't work for you, and you ended up making a course correction. So do you want to talk about that right. story and what happened? Yeah, it was rough um, to give you some starters. So I was in college pursuing a pretty tr traditional path, you could say. So I was a pre-medical student, uh, had lots of interests, right? Um, but pre-medical was the, was the practical choice that I was making. Um, and the, that would have been great, right? But it, it got to the point where I knew it wasn't right for me, but I was at a place in my life that I felt like I almost couldn't quit uh, because of some because of outside reasons being, um, you know, look, it's white collar, it's it's financially stable, it is socially acceptable, it is it is all these things and all these barriers um, that felt sort of made me feel trapped in this in this path, um, and that was super problematic because. It made me very anxious. Uh, it got me very freaked out. Uh, and I, I call anxiety, you know, it's like you're not following the internal compass. And as a result, the internal compass is going to slap you across the face because you're not listening. Uh, <laughs> and that's exactly what happened to me. I got slapped hard. Um, I got slapped so hard, it, it got to the point, and I, I think I messaged, when I messaged you, I told you about this. It was so bad that I had muscle spasms, like full body in the bed, couldn't move, like, muscle spasms. Um, like, couldn't couldn't go to the bathroom on my own at, a, at, at 23, muscle spasms. Um, and that just sort of, that was the big slap in my face that said, okay, Corbin, you're going you're gonna to start listening now, or you're not going to be able to do much at all, matter of fact. Um, so at that point, I wish I could have said that I called it sooner, and I just knew, and all of these things, but that was not the case. Um, so, yeah, essentially I ended up reorienting myself, figuring out what I wanted, and then having, you know, just the, the boldness to actually follow that as opposed to just continue doing what I was doing. Uh, so that's, I guess, a little bit of an intro to my story, a little bit of a teaser. Okay, so let's, let's talk about it a little bit more. So you said that you didn't figure it out even when you were in bed and muscle spasming and couldn't go to the bathroom on your own. I mean, at what point did you realize there's a cause for this and the cause is it, it's something different than most people might expect it to be. It's, it's a See, choice. Yeah. So figuring out that there's a cause and effect is a different thing than changing it. Uh, so along way, along the way, you know, you can be in denial of things whenever it's the uncomfortable thing to realize. I now actually tell people, ask yourself what you know that you wish you didn't know <laughs> and make adjustments as a result of that because that's exactly what was happening to me. Like I knew internally, like from a specifically like logical standpoint, that what I was doing was not what I was supposed to be doing. I was doing it for the wrong reasons, and that was causing these problems. 
But I didn't want to admit that because if I did admit that, then you you have two choices. You either can try to justify that you're doing things that are against your own best interest, or you can make a change which hurts. Um, And I was afraid of the pain of making a change. Wow, and yet you were already in pain. You were in a physical pain. And I would love to talk about that a little bit more. I recently read um, the book, Uh, The Body Keeps the Score by Dr. Bessel van der Kolk, and he talks about uh, just that connection between mind and body and things that, that affect us. So it used to be when you came up with the idea of psychosomatic, people would say, oh, that means that there's nothing really wrong with you. It's just in your head. And now we're realizing, no, 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 no. (laughs) There is a connection between our mind and our body, and it can actually manifest in the ways that you're describing. Yours are kind of uh, severe, but I actually have spoken to other people who have had a similar manifestation. And ironically, she was also in medical school and she knew there was pressure from her family. You have to do this. This is the right thing to do. And she fell apart where she couldn't even move. So it's yep. it's interesting that these things can manifest in a very, very physical way. And yet, even though bad things are happening, um, it's still hard to be brave enough to make a change. So how do you encourage people to be brave enough to follow their gut and follow their heart? Well... The way that I do it, and the whole reason that I became this dude on the internet who talks, um, is because I provide context to a valley. So, like, let me let me let me break that down a little bit. So, it's hard. So, everything is essentially a balance sheet for us. So, we're trying to do things that help us to feel good, and we avoid doing things that make us feel bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have also this intuitive mind that helps us to project into the future what things we predict will make us feel good or bad, what decisions now will do that. That's basically how we orient ourselves in the world. And my goal now is for people that are going through their first valley, like things are feeling bad presently, but you're continuing to pursue the path, which sometimes works out. I'm helping people to understand that they can make that other choice earlier in the process so that they don't have to, you know, be trapped in the bed, spasming for for a week. For a week, um, I'm helping them to understand that by giving them the context that the decision I made to do the thing that wasn't acceptable or whatever actually ended up being something that was a net positive in the long term. So I provide the context for people to realize that they can do that, that they can make a different decision than the thing that they're currently doing. Because otherwise, if they don't understand in the long term that things that you will experience more positive emotions, people aren't going to do it because they think that by doing that, they're actually going to hurt more than they currently are. Mm. We, we project that in the future unless you hear from some guy like me who's, who has the context of it and can, you can feel like you, you are like me in a sense. So I need to be relatable so that people can understand that. that that's my whole purpose actually in this. So you ask the question, you know, that how do we how do we get people to actually make that decision and have the boldness to do that? The only way to do that is to convince them that there's more positive in it for them than negative in making that decision. Um, and this is my way of doing that. And is that what you mean by a psychological strategist? That's a new term to me. Oh yeah, so that's a new term for everybody. So it's it's literally just taking it's applied psychology. So it's okay. it's basically taking theoretical ideas and using them. 
in a good, in a good way. Um, so <laughs> taking it, ideas it and using them, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, you know that it's, making a change is a combination of learning and doing. Just learning something yeah. isn't enough. You have to do it. Okay, I like that. Hundred percent. And the thing that's a little bit different about me is that I test everything on myself before I purchase, before I tell people about it. Um, so the reason that I I use a story for a couple of reasons. Uh, the first is that I need people to I need people to be able to identify with me so that my experience can become theirs in a way. And maybe that's com- maybe that's a little complicated. Um, but Not there's a there's a phenomenon in when you watch a movie and you f- you actually feel the reason you get sensations during a movie is because you begin to identify with the character. So if, if you identify with a character, you actually, a part of you thinks you are the character. And my goal is for people to, in, in the weirdest way possible, to sort of think that I am them so that they can leverage my experience in a better way. Hmm. As opposed to thinking, this is just some dude talking on a podcast. That's one thing. Versus, oh, I feel like this actually happened to me. And now I can use that to make decisions in my life that are in my own best interest. So that's, that's sort of my, my crazy play. That is amazing. So I'm thinking in my mind about your experience. You're in bed, you are spasming, you are miserable, you can't even get up. Most people would, you know, call 911 and get an ambulance and start doing some testing. You know, let's let's do some medical tests and find out what what's going on with your body. How did you how did you fine tune that and figure out that that there was something actually that you were able to do about it and recognize that that's what was going on? Yeah, so we'll, we'll track back a little bit. So whenever I was in this process, like I said earlier, I didn't jump ship early. Uh, I jumped ship whenever it got to the point where I didn't really have an option, um, which I wouldn't recommend. And the reason I'm doing a lot of this is so people don't have to do that. But anyway, I went through the whole process of like going to my primary care physician saying, hey, is there anything structurally wrong here? Gotcha. Um, I, 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 I had bad back pain, that was something that stuck around, um, later, uh, chest pain, lots of different things that I was like, is there something, um, that is more structural going on that is not me creating things in, in my body or the okay. body? You so know, you did follow the natural response, which anyone would do. In fact, that's actually what I would right. recommend that you do is to go and get some tests done and see if you can figure something out. But at, at, when you started to make those connections, I, I'd love to get into that moment. How did you do that? And then how long did it take for your body to say, Corbin, you got it. This is what I've been trying to tell you. So good job. <laughs> That's interesting forever. Um, it took a long time because the, the entire time I was dealing with the pain, with the discomfort of indecision. That was the whole, that was the whole thing. Um, so even though I knew, remember, I didn't want to admit it to myself. So it took me forever. I would just distract myself with the work I was doing, which was not hard to do as studying medicine, um, so that I could not admit to myself and act on the things that I knew. So because I wasn't doing that, I was still exper- I experienced pain for a long period of time before so. I actually got relief because I sat in decision for so long. Yeah, so that's essentially what happened. Because I didn't do what I knew was best for me. Deep down, I didn't make the change. 
I continue to experience pain. That's really, that's how it works. Um, at least that's how it worked for me um, in, in regards to anxiety. And to, to go further, I, you know, I still, because for a while it was so bad that I need, it needed to be treated. So I, I did that. I did the whole thing. Um, now I've backed off of everything, and I actually use anxiety as a way to orient myself about whether the decision I just made was a good one or a bad one, or the state I'm currently in, whether a change needs to be made for my well-being. So it's not anxiety necessarily in the head. Sometimes it is. But it's actually anxiety, right? I get a little bit of tightness right here in my chest, mm-hmm. and that's, that's my cue. And I've trained myself to orient to that. So that whenever that's going on, I know that something in my environment or in my life needs to be altered in order to better reflect what I want. Wonderful. Um, you started listening, so, paying attention, observing, yes. and, and then listening. So have we, you're, you said that now you're, you're following that and you almost have a, 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 an anxiety compass going on, helping you to direct yes. where you need to be. Um, and then after you started figuring things out and, and listening to that inner voice and following that, then did the other things start to go away and fade? Or Yes. Once I got the boldness to change paths, things shifted quite dramatically. Um, and I, I was there to observe as things tapered off as far as how my body was feeling how my mind was feeling, just my general satisfaction on a day-to-day basis. And I still use this to orient now. Like if I have a, if I have some sort of flare-up, that tells me that something's not right and changes need to be made. I still do this um, in different areas of my life now, um, but I still do this. Uh, so it actually, and thinking of anxiety in that way, makes it less anxiety-provoking because then you're worried about worrying. But in this case, <laughs> I'm not worried about worrying. I, anxiety is my friend. I know that it's, it has good intentions, um, as opposed to having bad intentions. So, yeah. Okay. That is a magical, magical differentiation because I, like you said, how easy it is to become afraid of being afraid, to be anxious about being anxious. And it creates this spiral that does not end in a happy place and recognizing that this is your friend and your ally. That's kind of magical. Is that what you talk about in your book? Because your book is about anxiety to um, um, unconventional, anxious to alive. So is that kind of the process? Do you walk people through how to do that? And yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. It's not as much about my story in the book. It is very like, here's an exercise that I, and I, like I said, I only, I only suggest things that I've done. So I take all the tools that I used and they're in the book. So every everything that like helped me to actually get out like very practical is what's in the book. Okay, um, action so steps, yeah. specific oh, action steps. Oh, lovely, lovely. I love those kinds of things. Okay, so will you share a couple of these action steps that help change 100%. from anxious to alive? Yes, one that I really like, um, and that there's some other people that's not very well known that also use this. It's called joy journaling. So I think the most important thing for someone is to figure out what they what they want. Like that that's important. Like you need to figure out what you want because that helps you to make it, decisions that are aligned with that. It makes it easier. Anyway, 
A joy journal is at the end of each day, or I don't want to put, put this in a box, this is just a general activity. You write down the things that you enjoyed the most about the day, in your day, whatever that is for you. You do this for some period of time. You can do it for 15 days. I think 30 is a general, is a good term for a lot of things, but so I did it for 30 days. And then at the end of the 30 days, and you can do it at the 15-day mark as well, you just look for similarities across the days. So you're, you're not taking a chance on what makes you feel joyful. You say you want to deliver content that helps people to feel joyful. This is, there's no, um, there's no guesswork here. It's like, this is what made me feel good for these days and consistently. I sh- then you just reorient your life to where you spend more time in those things that made you feel good. It's, it's really, it can be as simple as that. Um, but it requires you to reflect, pick out the things that, that made you feel good. And then now you reconstruct your life and do it in, in smart ways to where you spend more time in, tho- in those activities or those states and less times in the states that are less desirable for you. So that's one tool that's in the book. Okay, that's beautiful. So now I'm curious, when you did it, what brings you joy? Yeah, no, totally. What brings me joy is inner, I'm, when I communicate with people, uh, my ability to, to change the way they feel by talking to them. And, and I also am a musician um, and, and performing as well. So like both of those things, I'm naturally good at, thankfully, but also I just have the ability to make other people feel, feel, have a better state, I guess. And then that, just doing that and plus the outcome of people feeling better makes me feel good. And that was a major pattern that was present. And there are some others as well. So helping other people gives purpose in your life. You know, that one is actually pretty universal. It is a beautiful thing. Not everybody recognizes it, but that's beautiful that you recognized it because in order for you to do that, you had to have been doing it in order to have written it down. Does that make sense? So you were doing those things to be able to recognize, hey, that makes me feel good when I do this. So well done. That's beautiful. All right. Let, what's another oh, one? Oh, yeah. And you, and you notice it in things that aren't even that profound, though. Like I went and got a haircut and just talked with the lady who was cutting my hair. And that was one of the things. That was the biggest event that I remember in my joy journal that was like big joy. And, you know, just like her noticing how captivating it was and how much better it made her feeling feel and then told me that. Like those just like little minor things like that that aren't me on a massive stage speaking. Um, but me just talking to my hairdresser. So that, that was uh, super cool to notice. I love that. I love that it is in small and simple things because we all have opportunities to do small and simple things in our days to make connections, to help somebody feel better. It wasn't you, you donated a million dollars to charity or something super huge. You, you solved cancer, whatever. It's, it's something attainable. And that is so important as we're trying to figure out what it is we want. It has to be something we feel like we can actually do, we can actually right. accomplish. So excellent. Well done. And, well, and that's the good thing about this is because once you notice something that you like, the dose or the, the grandeur of the thing actually doesn't matter as much as we think it does. Because my, my game is I want more positive emotions for people than negative, like that ratio um, and to make that ratio work, noticing what brought you that 
to begin with, what brought you positive emotions, and then just maxim building systems in your life to where that is maximized. Like, if you want to be happy, that's, like, how you do it. Like, you just know what makes you happy, and then you do those things more than other things. Like, that, like, it's, it's it can be that simple um, if you can wrap your head around that. But, yeah, anyway. So that was, that was a super neat experience for me and for a lot of the people that have read the book. That's fantastic. So you've had feedback from, from your readers. That's beautiful. Yes. All yeah, right. 100%. So what's, what's another one? So another one was just the... The advice, one chapter was totally based out of you need to try things because a, a lot of times we call it success and failure, which I actually added different terms in. I didn't put that part in the book, but this is another way of saying it. I call them hit and miss data points, which is very technical and it's very like, oh God, this guy studied medicine or whatever, but um I call what people call successes hits and what people call failures misses because in my mind success is pre-selecting an outcome that happens to you in the world and then putting causes in place, things that you do that produce that outcome. So that would be considered a hit. And then a miss would be you have a pre-selected outcome and you put causes in places but the outcome doesn't happen. You get another outcome that is not the one you intended to get. That would be a miss or what people call a failure because you get some outcome that isn't the desired outcome. Um, and in one of my chapters, it was just encouraging people to try things and see what is a hit for them as opposed to avoiding trying things because they're afraid that it's going to be a miss, but they don't realize that the bigger game is gathering data points, not misses or not failures, successes, short-term, that actually you want to stack up a bunch of those so that you know what works and what doesn't work. And then later, you can just do the things that work. Um, but I find that too many people, especially in the, you know, if you're, uh, I think there's a lot of pressure around people to, to figure out the answer right now. Mm. But the problem is you can't do that without information. And the only way you get information is by trying different things, trying different actions to get what would make you happy. Um, because at the end of the day, sometimes you create an effect and that effect doesn't make you happy. So then you're like, okay, even though I put causes in places and an outcome happened, the outcome didn't even make me happy. So what do I do now? That would be considered, that's like a secondary miss, even though you got the outcome. You still missed because it didn't get the goal. You didn't feel good because of it. So are sustainable you, basis. Are you journaling? You're talking about these data points. Are you writing down each thing? It's like, oh, I tried this today and I hit. I tried this today and I missed. I tried this and I hit, but it didn't make me feel good like I thought I would. So are you recording all of this? Yeah, so so part here's the fun part. So Joy Journal, and I don't go in I don't get this technical actually in the book, but uh, the Joy Journal is what would be a secondary hit. <laughs> so like that means that an outcome or something that happened in your day made you happy. So an outcome is I'm at the hairdresser, I said something, she felt good, that made me happy. So that would be a hit. And you're you're technically marking that down. So at some level, yes. Um and then with causes and outcomes, you know, cause and effect stuff. You notice it. You know, you go, okay, um, I did a podcast today, and when I, I don't know, whenever I put it together and sent it out there and I got feedback that this one, you know, I put some B-roll over it and that didn't work for people. They said it was distracting. 
That lets me know that a B-roll over, you know, in the middle of the podcast like that is distracting and it's not helpful. So I know that that is now a miss. And I can chart that so now in the future whenever I make new videos, I don't put that in. And that makes it better for people. It can be as simple as that. And that's across the span of your life. So once again, you're paying attention. You're paying attention and you're noticing. But you're not necessarily writing it down. You're just paying attention and becoming aware. You are becoming more self-aware by recognizing sure. what's what's happening and what's going on. Okay, you've talked a couple times about courage and about being afraid. And I love the idea of not calling it a failure, calling it a miss, like a hit and a miss. Because missing, yeah. we miss all the time. And that doesn't f sound as scary or as final as the word failure. Somehow the word failure feels final and miss doesn't. So I like that distinction quite a bit. So you talked about in your experience, how you knew what you wanted to do, or you felt something was wrong, but it was so scary to do it. And now we're talking about encouraging people to try new things and to, to be courageous enough to do something that may miss. So how do we get this courage? How do we, how do we step from, from a place of fear to a place of, of confidence to be able to try something new? Well, we got to build our self-esteem on something different than what we currently are. That's crazy and, and like, scary. But, you know, if, if you build your self-esteem on perfectionists, for example. So, perfectionists, you know, they can't... If they do something and it, and it doesn't create the desired effect, they now think less of themselves. And that is painful. And we avoid that. So we have to build our self-esteem on things that are more sustainable and fit in the in the world of us being happier. Because, like, you know, if, you, if you're a perfectionist, you're going to struggle to be happy because you don't know what makes you happy because you haven't tried anything, because you're too afraid of failing. Like, that, that all causes problems. Because your self-esteem is built on not being, not being uh, you have to be right all the time, and you're not going to be right all the time um, in the pursuit of happiness. So if you can build your self-esteem on something like, um, I always express myself, like the inside of me always comes out in the world, that could be something you could build your self-esteem on in a way that helps you to be happy. Because now you're, you're not basing it on, I'm right all the time, it's I am true to myself all the time. It, it's a different thing that helps you to have, to collect these data points without feeling bad about yourself, which is something that we'll avoid if that's our basis, if that makes any sense. Do you have any questions on that? Because I know it gets a little confounding. So perfectionism is right out, and we're looking for another way to be able to do it. Now, I had uh, one guest, she described a difference between what she called self-esteem and self-love. She said self-esteem, to her, is recognizing your talents and abilities. I, I can do this, I can do this, I'm pretty good at that. And she says self-love is when you know that you have value, and you are doing nothing. It's just the I am. So I liked when you were talking about I am, I am true to myself. It, you're, you're coming up with an identity uh, or, or a description of what and who yep. you are. For identity, a lot of people, when you say, you know, who are you? Beyond my name, the only thing that people can come up with is uh, their job or their relationships. Because, you know, oh, I am a podcast host, or oh, I am an author, or oh, I am a mother, or, or whatever. And, and, and don't get to the actually who I am. And so doing some, a, a little bit of internal research and thinking that, like you suggested, of let's see what I like. 
let's see what matters to me. I think is a very, very valuable exercise to be able to figure out, I mean, how can you be authentic? And this is a, you know, a buzzword going on if you don't actually know who you are. Yep. So. Agreed. Excellent. Agreed. Excellent. I think if you, if you're someone in a position where you're not clear on what you want, you need to drop everything. I don't care what's going on and figure that out because every, everything you're doing isn't going to get you whatever you think it will. Like, unless you know what you want. Right. Unless you know yourself. Like, if you don't know yourself, you're, you've lost. You, you're already lost. Like, you're, you have to do that because otherwise you're not going to be able to do things that are in accordance with that. For sure. And that's like, you're, you're always going to have a tension where you're really not, you're not living the way that it would be best for you because you don't, you don't know what your needs are, your mm-hmm. internal needs. So you come from the approach of what do you want, and that helps you decide who you are. I think that's a good way to yeah, go. Yeah, precisely, because, yeah, I mean, that's, that's happening. And what you want is based off of what makes you, what makes you experience positive emotions. Because, I mean, think about it, the whole game. Why do we do anything? It's just try to feel something positive or avoid something negative. Here we know our own personal formula for what that positive, what initiates a positive reaction, which is the whole game. So if you if you can figure that out, then you can live the living it out part gets much easier from there because you know what you're supposed to be living out to experience a positive emotion. That's really my play. I like that. That is so important to be able to figure out who you are. And I've done some internal who who am I? What what am I? What what do I care about? And I've come up with five things that that to me kind of describe me. It's like I am a woman of faith. I am an advocate for hope and healing. I am a compassionate humanitarian. I am a gentle and powerful influence for good. And I am a servant leader. And then what I do becomes a reflection of who I am. I am a podcast host and I get to talk to awesome people from around the world to help bring fabulous content that helps lift and motivate people. And I'm an author and I can help lift and motivate people. And I run a nonprofit charity to help lift and motivate and encourage people to become their best selves. And those types of things, it's like they do bring me joy because they are a reflection of who I am. So Corbin, who are you and what do you love? Who am I and what do I love? Yeah, I... I'm someone who, my primary game right now is I really care about freedom. So I care about freedom because everything else collapses if I don't have that. Um, So I'm basically, the work I've been doing in the past year, probably year and a half, is removing barriers to being able to do whatever I want. So that's essentially what it is. So personal Um, freedom. Yeah, 100%. Whether that's financially, whether that's socially whatever that's whatever, you know, um, now that I have an understanding. Uh, long game, I know that I'm someone who, I mean, helping people is important. So I, so I have that. But that's so broad. Literally every, everything in the economy is based on helping someone, like it, every relationship. You know, they hand you money because they value the thing that you are providing to them. Um, so specifically, the, the, the activities that I find myself in that I like are being in front of people, being charismatic. Uh, so I have a connection value, and I do that through a lot of different things. Um, that's a big thing for me, actually, the connection value. Um, so I want to be free to do things and connect with people and then help them by through connecting with them to help them feel better. And the only way I can do that is by having you know financial freedom, freedom from social worry, freedom from all these things that help people, that prevent people from 
acting out their lives. Um, so that I have freedom and I have connection, essentially are, are my two primary values. But freedom needs to happen for connection to happen. I think that's absolutely beautiful. And what a wonderful thing, because if connection is an important part of who you are and what you do, that's going to benefit every single person that you connect with. It naturally, absolutely helps to lift other people. So I love it. So thank you for all that you shared today. And thank you for visiting with me today. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. In closing, I'd like to share a quote by author Mark Twain. He said, the two most important days in life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. Today, I invite you to get clear on what you want in life so that you can better understand your why. See you next time on Linda's Corner. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Linda's Corner, please share and subscribe to help us reach new listeners. I also invite you to check out my nonprofit, Hope for Healing, at the website hopeforhealingfoundation.org for free ebooks, free audiobooks, and other free resources to help increase happiness, build confidence and self esteem, strengthen relationships, manage stress, and calm feelings of depression and anxiety. I also invite you to grab a copy of one of my books, like Crushed A Journey Through Depression, or Amazon bestseller You Got This An Action Plan to Calm Fear, Anxiety, Worry, and Stress. See you next time on Linda's Corner.